Welcome back everybody to Unbashful as always. I'm your host Nicholas Doucette and I'm excited for another week and another opportunity for me to sit in front of this mic in front of this camera. And ladies and gentlemen, we have a very exciting podcast ahead of us today. A lot of exciting things to discuss about film, television, I'm very much looking forward to getting into that. We're going to kick it off with the Oscars. Now, many of the nominees for some of these films, I personally haven't seen all of them. I'll just be honest with you. I'll be frank with you. Um, so I'm not going to really discuss who I think should or should not win it because it would come from an opinion. It would come from an, uh, a misinformed opinion because like I said, many of these films that these fellow actors and actresses and directors have been nominated for, I haven't seen all of them. Some of them I have, but not all of them. So with that being said, uh, I'm just going to go over all the nominees for the, the awards that most people really care about. Um, I'm not really going to go into things like special effects and all that. I mean, people care about that, obviously, but I'm going to go over the heavy hitters, you know, best actress, best director, best actor, best supporting actor, best supporting actor, stuff like that. So without further ado, we're going to kick things off with best actress. And we have uh, Jessica Chastain for The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Olivia Coleman, The Lost Daughter, Penelope Cruz, Parallel Mothers, Nicole Kidman being the Ricardos, Kristen Stewart for Spencer. Um, these are all fantastic actresses. I, in particular, heard that uh, Olivia Coleman's performance in The Lost Daughter is apparently uh, really, really good from the people that I've spoken to. And then also, I've seen clips of Jessica Chastain uh, in The Eyes of Tammy Faye. I was watching a couple scenes with her and Andrew Garfield. That looks very intriguing. I probably will watch that, uh, that show or film uh, very soon. Moving on, Best Supporting Actress. We have Jesse Buckley for The Lost Daughter. The Lost Daughter getting two nominations for their spectacular actresses. Uh, then we have Ariana DeBose. Uh, Debose Debose. Hopefully, I pronounced it right. That is the uh, that's our main character in West Side Story. I loved her performance. West Side Story is a film that I did see. Uh, I saw it right before theaters here in Canada had closed, and I didn't go into the film with very high expectations. Obviously, I knew that you know Steven Spielberg was the director, so inevitably that kind of you know sparked some intrigue. Um, but overall, I'm not a big musical guy, as I've mentioned before. I'm growing a love, or sorry, I'm growing a little bit more interested in musicals after watching uh, Andrew Garfield in Tick Tick Boom. But uh, once again, I kind of went into West Side Story on like a Tuesday night. Really didn't have much to do. Went in, just no real expectations came out, and I was absolutely floored. Like the film was fantastic, and. Uh, and I really do believe that she is deserving of that nomination. Moving on, we have Judy Dench from Belfast. Haven't seen Belfast. I've really wanted to see it, though. It's pretty much uh, the film is not a biopic by any means. But the director, Kenneth Branagh, has said this film is, is almost like a love letter to his childhood growing up in Belfast. Uh, but anyways, so we have two more here. We have Kristen Dunst for The Power of the Dog. I really, really loved her uh, performance in that film. Um, then we have, I'm definitely going to pronounce this wrong, uh, Anun, Anunjanu Ellis from King Richard. Uh, so we have her, I haven't seen King Richard, uh, but I do want to check that out. Moving on, 
Uh, by the way, keep in mind, I'm kind of just running through these uh, quite quickly, as you can probably tell, just for the people that aren't aware or are curious to see you know, who's been nominated and basically for the people who don't already know, because a lot of people already know, you know, who's been nominated and who hasn't. But for the people that don't, this is really just a, a quick sort of rundown to get them, you know, up to speed. Uh, but anyways, best actor, we have Javier Bardem for Being the Ricardos. Being the Ricardos now has two uh, lead actor nominations. Then we have Benedict Cumberbatch for The Power of the Dog, not surprising there. Andrew Garfield, who I just mentioned for Tick, Tick, Boom. Uh, then we have Will Smith, who I've heard a lot of great things about his performance in King Richard. Then we have Denzel Washington, The Tragedy of Macbeth. I will be watching that tonight after this podcast. Moving on, we have Best Supporting Actor. We have uh, Carrie-Anne, Syrian Hins for Belfast. Uh, hopefully I pronounced that correctly. Then we have Troy uh, Coetzer for Coda. I heard about that film. Uh, that film sounds very intriguing. If I'm not mistaken, I think the surface level plot is that this, our main character, her mom and her dad, and, and most people in her family are deaf. And apparently she wants to, per, she wants to uh, pursue a career in music. So obviously her parents being deaf, it's kind of hard for them to be on board and, and to support her through that process because they can't hear the art and the, uh, her, her, her creativity come to life, right? So Definitely want to check that out. Then we have Jesse Plemons for The Power of the Dog. Power of the Dog is just is just kicking ass and taking names so far. And there's also another Power of the Dog uh, nominee coming up here. So yeah, Jesse Plemons, Power of the Dog. Um, him and Kristen Dunst, for those of you who aren't aware, they're actually married. Uh, and this isn't the first film that they've acted in together. They were also a couple in, the, uh, in, in, in a very good television series on Netflix called Fargo, kind of based off the film. Uh, with Francis McDormand. Uh, so yeah, we have, and then we have J.K. Simmons. Love J.K. Simmons for Being the Ricardos. That's now three nominations. So Being the Ricardos and um, Power of the Dog are really uh, dominating here in the nomination bracket. So, and then we have Cody Smith-McPhee for, once again, Power of the Dog. Uh, moving on to Best Director. We have, for Belfast, who I mentioned earlier, Kenneth Branagh. Drive My Car, have not seen this film. Uh, Raizuk Hamaguchi, I do apologize if I mispronounce your name, sir. Uh, then we have Licorice Pizza, Paul Thomas Anderson, haven't seen that film, but I've been really wanting to get around to it. Uh, I know it's got Phil Hoffman's son as the lead actor. Uh, definitely excited to see how he is in a leading role, because like I, at this point I haven't seen, I didn't even know that uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman had a son, let alone an actor, uh, a son who is an actor until uh, Licorice Pizza. So uh, then we have Jane Campion for The Power of the Dog. No surprise there. And then, of course, not an, an, another no surprise, Steven Spielberg for West Side Story. Uh, so far, I don't really see any snubs. I mean, uh, you know, when I really look down the list here, let's go back. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I, I really don't see um, any snubs, you know, you know, so to speak. Uh, yeah, best best actor Andrew Garfield, you know. Yeah, so, so far we're gonna keep going here, um, but no real complaints on my side. I think they've got everything right thus far. Uh, the final nominee category I'm going to mention here is best picture. Now there are ten nominees. Um, 
A lot of people have argued they should just kind of trim it down to five, but I do think with 10, the argument can be made that it gives different films an opportunity to be nominated, right? Because if it's only five, five may be the flashier number in terms because everyone likes to say top five, but top 10, I feel like gives a lot of these other films that are incredibly uh, well-directed, well-performed, but may not have that kind of pedigree to win an Oscar, it at least gives them that opportunity to get nominated, right? Get that, you know, get that that film out there for other people that may have not seen it. So I do, I am on, I am on board with a 10, with a 10 nomination uh, sort of structure. But anyway, so we have Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, I don't think that belongs there, Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, uh, interesting. The Power of the Dog and West Side Story. Okay. Let's let's run through this one more time. I, I think I went through that a little too fast. Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, West Side Story. Okay. Right off the bat, the film to me that doesn't quite look like it belongs there is Don't Look Up. Um, now, I've heard a, an outroar of people crying about Tick, Tick, Boom. I myself am a huge fan of Tick, Tick, Boom. I made an entire episode talking about Tick, Tick, Boom on this podcast. So don't mistake me to not be a fan because I am. But I, I do think that part of this strong you know, outcry by, by fans of Andrew Garfield. I think some of that has to do with Spider-Man because obviously Tobey Maguire was in Spider-Man as well. The, the new one, Spider-Man, no one home. But I think we can all agree that Andrew Garfield kind of s- stole the spotlight, right? He kind of, he shined the most in my opinion in that film. Of course, it was great to see Tobey Maguire. He's my favorite Spider-Man. But I, I definitely think that Andrew Garfield almost universally it's it's almost universally agreed through you know forums and social media that Andrew Garfield stole the show in Spider-Man No Way Home. And he's had a big year. I mean, he he did mainstream, he obviously did The Eyes of Tammy Faye, Spider-Man No Way Home, Tick Tick Boom. So it's been a big year for Andrew Garfield. So I think a lot of people are really kind of rallying for him. Um and I don't know if this you know uh outcry in the fan community for for Tick, Tick, Boom, not receiving a Best Picture Oscar, I don't think it would have been that strong had Andrew Garfield not been in Spider-Man and not had such a a big year already. Uh, That's just my opinion. But nonetheless, I do see where people are coming from. And most of all these films on this list, in my opinion, are very deserving of an Oscar. And don't get me wrong, I really did like Don't Look Up. I thought it was a great film. It was a really good satire, kind of with that social commentary of speaking of so, uh, you know, our our negligence on the environment and on climate change and all that. I, I appreciated that stuff. I like that stuff. But I don't feel that this film should have been nominated for Best Picture. I definitely would have slid Tick, Tick, Boom into that, in, into Don't Look Up's spot. Um, now, I'm not one of these people that I expected, like I expected Tick, Tick, Boom to get a nomination. I, I am slightly surprised it didn't. Okay, but I'm not one of these people that thought it was going to win. No, no. 
I, I didn't think for a second that Tick, Tick, Boom was going to actually win Best Picture. But I definitely thought it was very likely it would get a nomination. Now, Andrew Garfield got a nomination, so it's not like the film was completely, you know, snubbed, I guess. So that's good to see. And I'm sure he's happy. But for Lin-Manuel Miranda, I'm sure he was probably... I mean, maybe he wasn't. I don't know. I, I don't know the guy, obviously. But I'm sure he was probably slightly disappointed to, you know, to not see a Best Picture nomination. Um... So yeah, don't look up to me. That doesn't really belong there, in my opinion. Uh, now, Nightmare Alley. Uh, I haven't seen this film, so I can't really go as in-depth as I just did with Don't Look Up. Because I've seen Don't Look Up twice. And, and I, I do enjoy the film. I, I, I love Adam McKay as a director. I love Vice. Uh, you know, obviously I love the other guys. Um, I love Anchorman. I think he is an, an extremely talented filmmaker. And he obviously knows what he's doing. And I think he made a great film with Don't Look Up. I actually think I enjoy the film more than most people I know do. Most people that I know, they they, they find it kind of pretentious and they they, they think it's, uh, you know, the, the, the overall message and, and, and allegory of the asteroid coming to Earth essentially being a reference of climate change. People just find that a little bit off-putting. And, and for the people that I've spoken to, they feel like it kind of takes them away, like it pulls them away from the narrative itself. Personally, it didn't hit me like that. Um, I didn't mind the allegory. I didn't mind the overall message that refers to, like I said, people being a little bit uh, careless towards the environment. Um, I didn't mind that at all. And I think it is definitely an important message. Um, And I didn't think it was over preachy for lack of a better phrase term. Um, So I really enjoyed it, but I don't believe it it, it belongs on the, uh, I don't believe it it deserves a Best Picture nominee. But anyways, I don't want to keep going on about that. Next up, Nightmare Alley. Like I said, haven't seen it. I know Guillermo del Toro directed it. Very talented filmmaker. I mean, his work speaks for itself. And I'm excited for his Pinocchio film that's going to be coming to Netflix uh, towards the end of this year. Um, The cast looks very good. You have Jessica Chastain, Bradley Cooper, who apparently Leonardo DiCaprio was actually the first... Uh, choice and then apparently he uh, he turned down the role so then Bradley Cooper took it up and Bradley Cooper is a world class Oscar nominee fi- uh, uh, actor so uh, I, and also Willem Dafoe one of my favorite actors as well so it's it, it looks very intriguing um, it's an interesting choice because I've heard v- I've heard very mixed opinions on it. So I don't know we'll have to see I'll watch it maybe I'll love it so I don't that's all I can really say about Nightmare Alley. Maybe once I watch it, maybe I'll feel like, oh yeah, I was definitely deserving of that Best Picture nominee. Or maybe I'll feel the complete opposite. So, anyways, those are my thoughts on the Oscars. Very excited to watch it. Um, now, we are going to transition to talking about Nope. So, now we're going to talk about Nope. Now, for those of you who are familiar with what I'm talking about. So, Jordan Peele, the director of Get Out and Us. Well, he's got a new film coming. And he produced, and I think he might have co-wrote... Uh, Candyman, which was, you know, it was, it was okay. Um, I, I enjoyed it. Didn't blow me out of the water like, uh, like Ghetto. And, uh, for a lot of the flack that Us seems to get, because it's, a, it seems to be a very divisive film. I, for one, really enjoyed it. I didn't think it was better than Get Out. I still think Get Out is his best, uh, film, at least in the horror genre. And I think that might've been his directorial debut, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but yeah, he's, he's coming out with his third film. He, He's writing and directing this film, and it is called Nope. And when they revealed the poster for this film about, I want to say two months ago, 
it was very hard to kind of pull anything out of it, but it looked good, right? It had this kind of cloud, uh, looked like it was almost moving and it had some kind of like, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. This like string with these little like, like, uh, like it was, it it was like a string flag kind of, that was kind of trailing from this cloud. And then down on the surface, you see this little town almost looked like, um, there was like some kind of carnival happening. So Kind of difficult to see what was going on, but it looked very different and it looked very unique and it struck interest from a lot of people, myself included. And we've just been waiting on a trailer. Uh, And we do know that Daniel Kaluuya, who once again, returning to work with Jordan Peele. And I think it's just a, it's, it's a match made in heaven. I think what they did on Get Out to this day still stands tall and is still one of my favorite films of all time. And I loved it. And I also loved, like I said, I loved Us. I loved Lupita, uh, Lupita Nyong'o. I think that's how you pronounce her name. I loved her in that film as well. And Winston Duke, uh, who I think is going to be the new Black Panther. But that's a conversation for another time. So we have this film coming. Um, a lot of speculation as to what it could be about. But now we have a trailer. And let me just tell you, the trailer was magnificent. It was amazing. It's the it's it's my favorite trailer that I've seen. It's my favorite trailer that's come out of the Super Bowl. Um, I know everyone's instantly going to be like, oh, Doctor Strange. We'll get into Doctor Strange. Love that as well. Make no mistake. But this is my favorite trailer that's come out for a film this year. It has got me invested. I've watched the trailer like a thousand times trying to you know pick apart little things that I could find. And I'm going to be there opening night. If I was a big enough podcaster and, 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 and a critic, whatever you want to call me, I would try and get a press screening, but that's just not going to happen. I only got like 15 subscribers. <laughs> um, but if I could, I would. And yeah, when I watched it, I was just giggling with excitement. I But the thing is, I was so excited, yet the trailer left me, the, 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 the first viewing of it, I had no idea what I just watched, but it looked fucking awesome. It looked incredible. Right when when that when that scene of Kiki Palmer and she's dancing to the uh, uh, to music and then you see the lights drop and you could tell that something is co- is coming above them, right? Could be that cloud that we saw on the poster. And then once we see the power go off in the house, it, j- it just freezes on that shot. And then you see the text come down from above from Jordan Peele. That just got me super fucking excited. I I, I was like, it could have stopped there. And I would have, I would have been, you got my attention. You got my money. I'm here to watch this. But anyways, it continued on. And like I said, it was very confusing. Didn't really know what was happening at first, but it just, it just, there's something about it. And this is a credit to Jordan Peele as a filmmaker. He, he just, he knows how to get people's attention, especially with trailers as well. Like I, I felt the exact same way with the us trailer. Um, and, and, and there is nothing in this trailer that was put there by mistake. Every little detail was calculated and well thought, well, well thought through when they were in the, in the trailer making process for this film. Um, and I was watching YouTube videos and they were kind of, it was other creators like, uh, here, I wrote the list here of them, um, like 3C Films, The Real Rejects. Love those guys. Shout out to them. Go subscribe and watch their videos as well. 
um, I was watching their videos and their breakdowns uh, of what this film could be about, little Easter eggs, little kind of clues in the trailer to sort of hint to what's happening. And I think right now we have a good idea of what this film is going to be about and I cannot be more excited. Um, so basically the running theory is that um, this film is about aliens and the actual title of the film, Nope, is actually an acronym to stand for not of planet earth. And I was like, oh my God, that makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. And you know, there's that meme going around from that scene from the Incredibles with the teacher looking at, uh, whatever the, uh, I forget the kid's name, the kid that can run really fast. And he's like, coincidence. I think not. So that's, that applies here. That's not a coincidence. 1000%. That's what the title is referring to. And also just the word. Nope. Nope. In a horror film, horror film. I always, when I say horror, I I usually never pronounce that middle syllable of the horror. So I just it sounds like I'm just saying horror. Um, a horror film with the title Nope. Come on, even if even if this wasn't an acronym referring to not of planet Earth, that would still kind of, you know, spark my intrigue. Um, but yeah. And furthermore, not only is it about aliens, the theory is that the aliens are abducting horses and they're turning them into people. A little bit of sorry to bother you kind of vibes going on. Now, for those of you who don't know, Sorry to Bother You Sorry to Bother You is a film that stars Lakeith Stanfield. And basically, it's, it's a wild film. You can never predict the third act of this film or the twist by just, you know, looking at the marketing, the trailers. But basically, it's about, you know, to put, you know, put it in a nutshell. This guy who's a telemarketer, he climbs his way up the ladder of his company that he's working and he um, inevitably once he gets to the top and he meets like, you know, the guy in charge, he starts to see that there's some dark shit going on and basically the people people in that film are being turned into horses, right? So this almost looks like it's going to be the opposite, right? Now, keep in mind this, all this shit I'm talking about, all these theories, none of these are confirmed. For all we know, th- this could be something completely different, right? We have no idea if this even if this is even about aliens, but I think there's some certain shots and things to lead us to believe from the trailer that this is definitely about aliens. I can almost guarantee it's about aliens, but the horse stuff, we don't really fully know that. Um, but yes, yeah, so this film is kind of approaching it from a reverse standpoint. Instead of human beings turning into horses... I think it's horses turning into human beings, which in my opinion, I think that's a, that's crazier. That that's more nuts. And in, in just my general opinion. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, I'm just, I'm also glad just to see Jordan Peele back. Right. I didn't know after us, I was like, damn, like, I feel like he's probably going to, you know, take a long time to make another film. And I mean, us came out in 2019. That was only like three years ago and we're already getting another film. So, uh, that is very exciting. The cast looks great. Like I said, Kiki Palmer. Um, I'm not too familiar with Kiki Palmer, but through everywhere I've looked online through the people I've spoken to, I have really seen nothing but positive reception, excuse me, about her as an actor and as a performer. So, uh, no complaints there. Um, then you have Steven Yun, who was a fantastic actor. He was in that one film, I think I nominated for an Oscar, Minari. 
Never saw that, but uh, that looks very, very good as well. Um, and then I first was introduced to Stephen Young when The Walking Dead first came out before it had like 17 seasons and all the main characters were gone. Um, I don't watch The Walking Dead anymore, but he is a fantastic actor as well. Um, he seems to be playing this sort of like cowboy character. He's sort of like leading this carnival. Um, and yeah, the trailer, I mean, if we just kind of get into the nitty gritty, there's a lot of things that lead us to believe that number one, here, I'll go over the things that lead us to believe why A, it's, it's aliens, right? Uh, there's a shot in the trailer where you see this sort of flying saucer kind of go by in the sky. Um, towards the end of the trailer, there's that big, you know, big money shot when Daniel Kaluuya looks up and he sees this sort of structure above, well, not structure. It's really hard to make up what it is, but it's, once again, it's sort of like that cloud figure with that flag tail string rope thing trailing from it. But then like, if you look, if you, if you pause that shot and you look to the side, you see that there's like water, like surround, like almost like a tsunami is surrounding them. So I can't quite tell what to make up, but my kind of theory is that the alien UFO is, is disguising itself as a cloud. And, and I think that's probably what most people think as well. So that way it doesn't get noticed. Um, now there's a shot that looks like in the very beginning of the trailer, it looks like the UFO has, has landed and the horse immediately bolts after it. And I think right there that that is a clear indicator that a, I don't think the horse ran there willingly to just go, yo, um, what's that bright light over there? I just don't think the horse would think that. I think the aliens in that shot, they land on the ground with the with their UFO and they immediately abduct, whether it's some kind of mind control. I'm not going to speculate about the details, but we see the horse immediately ditch Daniel Kaluuya and run bullseye towards that UFO or whatever thing that's on the ground. Um... And then also, yeah, we're, we're seeing a lot of horses. And also, if you just look at this surface level idea of the film that the trailer does present, we do know that Kiki Palmer and Daniel Kaluuya's character, they are what looks to be brother and sister or, or, or cousins of a long family uh, Hollywood horse ranch business uh, that's been going on, that's been passed through through generations, as she mentions in the trailer, uh, in the beginning of the trailer, um, as... as the the first the first sort of footage of film was a black man on a horse and she was saying that is my that's my grandfather uh or great 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 grandfather as she says in the trailer so it's sort of like a long family run business and they lend their horses for hollywood films and actually there's a really really cool shot in the trailer where you see daniel kaluuya he's on he's horseback and he's wearing a orange sweater that says crew and then it shows a front shot of that same scene and if you look very closely there's a logo that says the scorpion king which is a which is a film that came out in the early 2000s uh with uh, the rock so they're sort of they're sort of establishing that a this film takes place in the early 2000s which is pretty interesting because i feel like we haven't really seen a film take place in the early 2000s there's really it's kind of like a, a weird time there really wasn't much going on i mean that's when i was a, a baby so I, I guess i don't really remember uh exactly the things that were happening but there wasn't anything like significant i mean obviously you had 9-11 and things like that unfortunately but other than that there really wasn't anything too crazy there wasn't this like pop culture phenomenon like we saw in like the 90s and the 80s so interesting um but yes so we do know that they have this business and their horses are, uh, 
are in a lot of films. So that's kind of like the idea. And we do know that Jordan Peele loves to imply social messages in his film that can be very relatable to things that are going on in today's society. And that's really what storytelling is. Storytelling is a representation we're pulling from things that are going on in our world. So he, he references a lot, uh, a lot of racism, a lot of, you know, mistreatment for other people. So I'm sure he'll do that again in this film. And I think he does it in a way that's very clever and in a way that's very, uh, uh, articulate and a way that just resonates well with the audience without pulling you out of the film, which is a common complaint that something like don't look up has, um, so yeah, I'm just looking at my notes here. I got a ton of notes here on, on, on note because I'm just so stoked for this film. Um, let me just make sure I hit everything on the nail here. Uh, yeah, and just going back to Kiki Palmer, um, not too familiar with her, but I, I checked out her IMDb. I did some homework and she was in films like Hustler, Pimp, The Scream, TV series, just for a couple examples. So she is a very experienced actress. And like I said, everyone that I've spoke to that has seen some of her work and just judging off of the, you know, the fan community, people seem to really like her and people are really on board and I'll, I trust those people. So I trust those opinions. Um, so I'm excited and I liked her in the trailer at that last shot where she was kind of looking up at the sky saying like, no, no, no. Like that really, really kind of got the blood boiling. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see, make sure I didn't, I hit everything. Oh yeah. This is a, this is a good point here. I think the shot for me and for most people, like, you know, the real rejects in 3C films, the shot that is really, there's two shots in particular that really kind of signify that horses are turning into people are that shot of this like hand that almost looks like it's in like mid transformation between going from a horse. What do they call a horse's hand? A, uh, a hoof, I think it's called. It looks like it's going from a from, from a hoof or a hoof. I, I'm going to sound like an idiot. It's going from a horse's hand to a human's hand. It, it almost looks like it's at like the middle part of the transformation. It's got like a lot of hair. Um, it just, it, it it looks very odd. And it looks like it's almost about to give fist bumps with, with a baby's hand, right? That almost, to me, at least tells me that, like I mentioned, there's a possibility that humans will be turning in, or horses will be turning into humans, uh, and, and I'm sure there's obviously a lot more stuff that we don't know about the film in regards to the alien uh, plot. And then also, as for aliens, there's a scene where Daniel Kaluuya, he's got his phone out and he looks like he's about to record something. And you see this little structure behind this kind of little like three foot uh, whatever door. And at the top of it, it almost looks like it's an alien's head. But I have something to say about that shot because I absolutely believe that aliens are in this film without a doubt. But I think that shot in the trailer is actually misleading. I think that whoever that thing is behind that sort of door that it's coming around that corner, I actually think that's going to be just a kid wearing an alien hat. Because there was another shot in the trailer where we see, we go back to this carnival and we see there's almost this like gift booth. And in there, there's like a big alien like helmet you can wear. And it almost kind of signifies that aliens at some point in this film do come and then they leave and then it almost becomes normal for this thing to happen in this little community. And, and that's where we're seeing Stephen Young's character almost look like he's giving a horse, he's sacrificing a horse 
to the aliens as sort of like a performance to people. And we see people sitting in this sort of in in uh, in these bleachers. So that's also very interesting, right? It, it's not like most of these alien films where we don't even see them till the very end and they come and then they wreak havoc. It almost looks like they come to Earth and then they leave and then they come back. And then when they leave, I guess they don't really harm anyone. And this whole storyline and the plotline with them kind of abducting horses, it almost looks like Steven Young's character is like trying to, like I said, put on a performance and saying, gather around, folks. We're going to sacrifice a horse to get the alien's attention or something like that. Um, that would be terrible writing if, if that's what it is, which I'm, I know it won't be. Um, but yeah, just trying to make sure I hit everything on this film. Um, overall, I'm super excited. I'm super excited. And really, now I think this film was like top five on my most anticipated list for 2022, but it has elevated up. I think it's probably my second most anticipated film just behind the Batman, uh, which comes out in a month, uh, actually less than a month. I, I'm going to see it March either second or first with some of my friends. So definitely excited for that. I think we got the early fan screening tickets. Um, so very, very excited for the Batman. Going to do a whole podcast on that when that comes out. Um, but yeah, besides the Batman, this is probably my second most anticipated film of this year. Um, and yeah, so moving on from Nope, we got the Doctor Strange Super Bowl trailer. Now, before I get into my thoughts on the trailer for Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, I'm not going to break down every single detail of this trailer because I'm sure by now, Pretty much all of you have probably seen it. Uh, I'm just going to discuss my favorite moments from the film. Obviously, I'm going to talk about Charles Xavier. I, I, I mean, if you don't mention that when talking about this trailer, then you probably didn't watch the trailer, right? So, with that being said, let's get right into it. Um, now, the leaks and the rumors from My Time to Shine Hello, uh, Grace Randolph... All these kind of leakers have suggested to us that we will, in fact, be seeing an iteration of the Illuminati in Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness. Now, for those of you who aren't uh, familiar with the Illuminati, they're essentially a group. It's it's six members of some of the world's most powerful superheroes. And I know a lot of you are probably saying, well, that just sounds like the Avengers, right? Well, they have a different purpose than the Avengers. The Avengers, they fight crime. They fight against, you know, enemies, they sort of, you know, the Illuminati is sort of like this unknown kind of group that operates in secrecy to sort of oversee every, everything that's going on, right? Um, almost like a, a, like a, like a council. So that's kind of what the Illuminati is. And in the comics, Illuminati, uh, usually consists of characters like Namor, Reed Richards, Black Bolt, Iron Man, uh, Black Panther, now, I don't think we're going to be seeing that exact lineup, but we do know almost for sure, even after watching this trailer, that some of those members will in fact be in, will, will most likely be in this film. So let's address the elephant in the room, Professor X. Um, there was this sort of concept photo of like Doctor Strange being escorted but what by what looked like drones, Tony Stark Iron Man drones, and it looked like he was being put on the stand 
or being put in being put in a trial and standing before him in this little concept art that we saw uh, was Professor X, uh, Charles Xavier, and that scene. Ba- is, that scene was essentially in this trailer. We saw that. It was completely identical. It didn't look the exact same. You know, the colors and something so different. But it was the same idea. We see Doctor Strange being, first of all, he's like handcuffed. Um, and then we see him being escorted by these, what looks like to be either Iron Man drones or Ultron drones, right? So one or the other. Um, and that also leads us to believe that there probably will be some kind of alternate Iron Man character in this film, but I'll get into that in a moment. Um, but yeah, we see that entire scene pretty much played out. And what I'm thinking, my logic behind that is the people on Marvel, they're keeping track of this, of this kind of stuff every day. They're, they're reading, you know, the, the community feedback, they're checking social media. So I'm sure by now, it's like the worst kept secret in Hollywood that Charles Xavier at the very least will be in this film. It's almost kind of, it's almost like what, with what we just went through with Spider-Man No Way Home and Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire, right? So I think their logic was like, you know what? Everybody knows it. We have all these other cameos that we're going to do. Let's just give them a little bit of a sprinkle and we'll, we'll, we'll kind of just get, get that hype going, right? Because that's what really got people losing their minds, myself included, I literally got up out of my chair and I was screaming of excitement and joy. Like the the Super Bowl this year had some really good fucking trailers from the uh, from the Moon Knight TV spot, which I'll talk about after this as well. The Nope teaser as well, and then this. So that was insane. And, and there's it, there's not even like speculation of like is that Charles Xavier? It, it is. But it's not going to be the same Charles Xavier from Logan, obviously, because that Charles Xavier literally killed all the Avengers by accident because of his mind. So this is obviously a different Charles Xavier, but it is still Charles Xavier, Professor X. So we know that without a doubt, Marvel is not going to pull a Ralph Boner on us and we watch the film and it's Patrick Stewart, but it's Patrick Stewart as like Iron Man or something. That's, that's not going to be the case. It 1000% is uh, Charles Xavier. So we know that. Now, in that shot, we see six chairs. And there's two, there, there's, uh, there's two other figures that are seated. But because of the, you know, the, the, uh, the color and the contrast and the tone of you know, the, uh, the trailer, they intentionally made it very difficult to see who it is, right? So that leaves us to just speculate. Uh, and, and, and there's a couple kind of theories going around. Um, I've heard a lot of people say that they think it, the figure sitting to the left could be Black Panther, um, a variant of Black Panther, albeit. Uh, I don't think so. Um, just because if you zoom, like if you zoom in on, I've seen some photos where they zoomed and it almost look like, looks like there's some kind of necklace being worn by this figure, uh, which obviously Black Panther has that, you know, that, that silver necklace. So I, I see where people are drawing some of the conclusions, but just going off of that trailer, that that person sitting there looked incredibly too thin and skinny, especially in like their like right arm. If you look closely, I'm thinking it looks to me like Reed Richards or possibly Namor, but I'm definitely leaning towards Reed Richards. Um, 
Now, I don't think it's John Krasinski's Reed Richards. I actually think we're going to see two Reed Richards in this film. Now, if you would have asked me that, I don't know, a month ago, I didn't even believe, I think in my one of my past episodes, I talked about all the cameos and all the other people that are going to be in this film. I'm pretty sure I said that I don't believe that we're going to see any form of Reed Richards in this film. After watching this trailer and then the more leaks have come forward, my opinion has changed. I actually think we're going to see two Reed Richards in this film. And I think the Reed Richards that, if if this is Reed Richards, if this is Reed Richards sitting in this chair in this shot, I think this is the Reed Richards from the early 2000s, the 2004 Fantastic Four films with Chris Evans um, and Jessica Alba. That is the Reed Richards I think we're seeing there. Because if it is John Krasinski, John Krasinski, he's been getting in some really good shape right now. That just looks too frail and too thin to be him. Um, but I do believe one of those missing chairs, one of those spots could be for that John Krasinski Reed Richards. Maybe they're both going to like sit beside each other or something. Um, but anyways, now let's speculate for the rest of the missing members of the Illuminati that weren't in here that could be filling those chairs. Um... I have a list here. Uh, Let me see. Let me see here. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So uh, one of the members I do think will be Black Bull. Um, Just like I said, telling off of the leaks, people like Grace Randolph, my time to shine. Hello. These are very, very credible leakers. They've leaked many things in regard to films like Spider-Man No Way Home the past Avengers films, they have a very credible history in leaks of rumors. So it's not guaranteed, obviously, but I do believe that we will see Black Bolt because that's what they've reported. They said Anson Mount, the guy who played Black Bolt in Inhumans, which I never watched because I just didn't think the show looked very good. But apparently he is going to be reprising that role and he will return as one of the Illuminati members in this film. So there's that. Um, the figure sitting to the right I can almost guarantee that, that that person sitting there, which looks to have very long hair, I can almost guarantee that that person is Captain Carter. Because I'm sure everybody knows this by now, but if you look at the Doctor Strange poster, in one of the little glass shards towards the bottom, you know, towards the bottom right corner of that poster, you can clear as day see the Captain Carter shield. So I, I'm almost positive. Now, this, like I said, I don't know this for sure, but I'm almost positive that that person is Captain Carter. And then the person walking behind her, behind the chairs with the long hair, I think that is the mortal that we just saw in that shot before when he said, your desecration against reality will not go unpunished. I think that's Mordo. I, I think I think Mordo is one of the members of the Illuminati. So then that leaves one more spot. And I do believe that spot left will be for some kind of Iron Man variant. Now... Grace Randolph has kind of been tricking people and it's obviously intentional, but she said, originally she said that people who saw this film, people that, the people that have seen parts of this film, apparently they said Tom Cruise is not in this. And furthermore, he's not, he's not, sorry. They said that Tom Cruise is not only not Iron Man, but he's not even in this film. Right. And for those of you who are wondering, like, why do you keep associating Tom Cruise with Iron Man? He's never been Iron Man. RDJ has always been Iron Man. Well, let me give you a little bit of history. So let's rewind the clock back 10 years, right? When the MCU was first started and they were kicking things off with Iron Man and they were looking to cast Tony Stark, one of the front runners besides RDJ was Tom Cruise, believe it or not. 
he was in serious talks to be Iron Man. But obviously, it never ended up happening. RDJ ended up becoming our Iron Man. And the rest is history. So as fans, we have speculated and we've been asking. I mean, me, not me specifically. I haven't really thought about Tom Cruise as Iron Man. But I think, I think it is interesting. But a lot of fans have wanted to see, especially in a film like this, where there's an opportunity to do that, where they're exploring the multiverse. A lot of fans have really been asking to see, briefly, just a variant of Iron Man from another you know universe. But... But the character, instead of it being Robert Downey Jr., uh, Tony Stark in that universe is played by Tom Cruise. So that's that. That tweet was about a couple months ago when Grace Randolph said that he is not in this film, according to her sources. But then recently, about a week, about a week ago, I'd say, she posted some tweet, and I'm paraphrasing, but it was something along the lines of like, what if... Like I said, I'm I'm paraphrasing, but she said something like, what if Tom Cruise was in the film, but he wasn't playing Iron Man? So then that's that's now getting a lot of people thinking that, okay, so he he might be in this. And if you want my answer, I do believe you. I do believe that Tom Cruise will be in this film. Um but I'm kind of on the fence. I don't know if he's going to be Iron Man. I to be honest, that's the only role I can see him playing. Now, I've heard people speculate Doctor Doom, but I th- I think that they already have Doctor Doom casted in the MCU. I-, I firmly believe that because Grace Randolph also said in another tweet that behind the scenes, Marvel has actually recently casted one of the one of the biggest uh, supervillains in comic book in-, in Marvel history that no one knows about right now. Like in terms of like no one knows about this casting, but it- apparently one of the biggest villains in Marvel history has actually been casted behind the scenes, and no one knows. Who it is. And I believe that that villain is Doctor Doom. So I think that now, you know, it could be a Doctor Doom variant. But I don't think that they're going to do like a Doctor Doom variant. I, do, I don't think they're going to do that. I could be wrong. So no, I, I, I've i heard, like I said, I've heard people speculate Tom Cruise playing Doctor Doom. I don't believe that. Uh, I, I think she is probably just, you know, she's probably got people trying to tell her like, look, you could say this, you know, Maybe troll a little, uh, you know, maybe troll a little bit, but don't fully reveal the secret. So, I don't know. I mean, off the top of my head, if I'm just thinking about who Tom Cruise could be playing, um, I don't, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe like another Doctor Strange, but no, that, no, that that's not gonna happen because we're already gonna see other versions of Doctor Strange. We see Defender Strange in the TV spot. So, yeah, see, I, I can't even think think of it. I honestly like. I do believe he's going to be in the film. Um, and if I had to put my money on it, it's probably Iron Man. And I think they're really trying to keep that one under wraps. And Grace Randolph also did say, and I'm sorry to keep bringing her up, but she just keeps posting posting leaks. Um, she also said that there is apparently one cameo that's so insane that she was just saying people, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but people are going to lose their minds. And she's worried that it's going to leak. And I don't think... That has happened. I don't know what the cameo is, but if it's as insane as she said it is, I feel like I, we would have seen more headlines and more news and stuff like that. Maybe she was being over exaggerative. Who knows? Uh, but yeah. Um, so yeah, that. But no matter what, I, you know, Tom Cruise or not, I do think that we are going to see some kind of superior Iron Man. And then that leads to the next question. Everyone's talking about this Captain Marvel-esque looking character that we briefly saw going up against Wanda in the trailer. 
Some people have speculated and some people do think that this character in particular is superior Iron Man and is Tom Cruise. Because if you look at some photos, you know, you, you could, it looks like there's a goatee, but no, this is 100% not uh, Tom Cruise. And furthermore, it's definitely not superior Iron Man. This is Maria Rambeau. Monica Rambeau's mom. I think that's how we go. I think, yeah. Yeah, Monica. It, honestly, it's either Maria Rambeau from an alternate universe, which is where I'm leaning more toward, or it's Monica Rambeau, who we were introduced to in WandaVision. So, I mean, it, it could, but it's either or. But I personally think that, at least for me, it, it looks like the actress who played Mar uh, Maria, Rambo, Maria Rambeau from Captain Marvel. So... That, I, I assume, is going to be a version of the character that essentially flipped roles with Brie Larson. She was the one that absorbed the Tesseract's energy. She's the one that went to go train and, and, and fight with Scrolls briefly. So, I believe that she, that is the person that we saw in that shot. Because that would be a lot for Marvel to reveal. Because, I'll be honest, I was surprised. I think everybody was surprised that they showed Professor X. Such a huge character. That's literally the introduction to X-Men. We officially have the X-Men in the MCU, at least a member of the X-Men. So if I, I, I don't believe that they would have gone another step forward and then also showed Tom Cruise as Iron Man in the trailer. I think that would have just shown way too much. So no, I don't believe that was superior Iron Man or Tom Cruise in that shot in the trailer of that sort of uh, character fighting, um, that, that Captain Marvel looking character that was in like full binary mode. That that does not look like Tom Cruise at all. And I can almost guarantee it's not. It's Maria Rambo. Um, yeah. So, but overall, it, it was a fantastic trailer. It, it, just like everybody else, it got me incredibly excited. Um, it's it, it, Out of all the comic book films that are coming out this year, once again, just behind Batman, it's the second... It's my. It's now my second most anticipated comic book film of this year. I think on my old list, I think I had Thor just ahead of Doctor Strange. After this trailer, I'm gonna have to pull back on that, and I think Doctor Strange is now my favorite. Or excuse me, is now my most anticipated comic book film, just behind Batman. Now, Nope, the the film Nope I talked about earlier. I also said that's just behind Batman. That's sort of all the films, like just you know, including comic book films out of all the films that are coming out this year, um, whether it's The Northman, all those films, Nope is my second behind Batman out of all of them. But out of comic book films, because Batman is obviously a comic book film, Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness is just a close second after watching this trailer. That's how much this trailer did for me. Now, to sort of cap off my thoughts on Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness, the newest trailer, um, I, I do believe that this trailer basically solidifies that Shumagorath or Gargantos, wh whatever one it is, they basically look the same. That is not going to be the villain of this film. Because I know in, in the early you know, discussions before we had seen any trailers that we heard from some outlets that Shumagorath or Gargantos is going to be the main antagonist of this film. And for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, it's basically the alien one-eyed looking creature that you see going up against America Chavez in the trailer. So this trailer, I think, almost solidifies that Wanda Maximov is going to be the villain of this film. At least one of them. Um, and it looks insane. Now, here is my theory. Um, I believe... Th this is just my theory. I could be totally wrong. Take this with a grain of salt, right? 
like I said, I we may watch a film, it may be something completely different, but here is my overall theory, right? So if you've seen WandaVision, you know that at the end of the season, Wanda not only loses Vision, but she loses her kids, Wicked and Speed, that she basically just created. Now, there's a post credit scene, and when she's sort of practicing and learning you know all the different spells in the dark hold she hears a she hears a little cry for help and it sounds like her kids and it is her kids now here's what i believe is going to happen i believe that the illuminati caught wind of this and caught wind of wanda basically torturing people when she when she took over westview and she stepped in and in 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 um and the Illuminati stepped in and took her kids and put them in those two adjacent cells, glass chamber cells that we see in the trailer. And I believe that Wanda knows that the Illuminati has her kids, but she has no way to get there because she, she doesn't have the ability to travel between universes. And that's where America Chavez comes in. Right? We've, all, we've also heard these rumors too that Wanda needs America Chavez. She wants her power. She wants to be able to travel between universes. So she's trying to basically kill her to take her you know abilities. So I believe that she's trying to use America Chavez and trying to get her powers so that she could portal to these universes in search of her children. And then eventually she finds the Illuminati where her children are being held. Tell me what you think about that theory. That could be completely off. Now, I do think that there are some kind of problems with that theory because we do also know that Doctor Strange did something to piss off the Illuminati as well, right? Because we see him handcuffed and obviously I'm sure that has a lot to do with either the spell he did uh, at the end and even the beginning of Spider-Man No Way Home. And also, it looks like he's performing another spell that might happen in the beginning of the film that also may attract the attention of the Illuminati. So... Yeah, that's just kind of a theory. Um, I'm not, you know, super confident about that theory. Like, I wouldn't bet like a hundred bucks on that. But that's kind of, you know, if if I had to give a theory, that's kind of like my theory right now. Um, and we all we all we also have heard uh, reports and leaks that Wanda is actually going to kill the Illuminati. So that's insane. This film sounds like it's going to be very dark. I'm also really glad that Sam. Or sorry, uh, yeah, Sam Raimi um, is directing this. This like the cinematography, the shots look fantastic. There's a lot of that horror aspect to it. Um, we even see what looks to be some kind of zombie strange, you know, which we did see in the What If series. I personally didn't watch the What If series, but I I watched you know videos and recaps, and they said that uh, we do see like an evil Doctor Strange, the Supreme Cha Supreme Strange, which we do see in this trailer. And then we also see like a zombie strange. And there's actually a lot of references to what if I almost think what if was like a precursor. Yes, it was animated, but it almost is foreshadowing things to come in the MCU. And actually speaking of animation, there's a sequence where you see in the trailer, I, I said, I'm not going to break down every detail, but here I am doing exactly that just because it just, I love talking about it. Um, but anyways, there's a shot in the trailer when you see Doctor Strange and America Chavez you know, traveling between universes. And first of all, they're going through a universe where there's dinosaurs. That's insane. But very, very quickly, it's hard to pause on it. But if you pause on it at the right time, you could see that they're actually traveling to a universe 
where things are animated. You see like an animated pylon. So that now presents a lot of questions. Are Is that mean they're going to explore into the Spider-Verse? I mean, I, I don't know. That kind of, That is the only thing that kind of worries me. Like I'm not into the whole kind of Roger Rabbit, you know, animation, live action. I mean, but honestly, I trust Marvel though. If someone's going to do it, I believe in them to do it properly. So, but anyways, um, yeah, it, 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 it looks insane. And then we also see Rachel Adams is back in this film and it looks like Dr. Strange meets another version of her character that works for the Illuminati. Um, and and the, the, this whole thing of the Illuminati and, and, and this building that you see them in, it, it gives me a lot of familiarity and it, it, it kind of reminds me of the TVA and the Citadel that we see Kang the Conqueror in uh, towards the end of Loki. So that was kind of cool. Um, but yeah, I love this trailer. I think I hit all my notes that I wanted to. Um, but yeah, I cannot wait for this. It comes out in May and yeah, I'm super excited. Next up on deck, we have the Moon Knight TV spot. Now, I've talked many times in this podcast, and I'm sure for those of you who have watched, you all know my excitement and my anticipation for this show. I am absolutely excited. I haven't been this excited for a Marvel Disney Plus show since Loki, and I even think that this show has the potential to actually be better than Loki. Now, that's a very tall order to hit. I hope it is better. I hope every single Marvel show that comes out is better than the last. I think that's what every fan wants, but we're not always going to get that, right? But I do believe that this film has serious potential to do that, right? Unlike a show like She-Hulk or, you know, uh, you know the uh, the War Machine show coming out or, or Secret Invasion. Those shows are good, but, you know... I don't know. It, it doesn't have that Loki effect. It, like for me, I don't know. I hold Loki to a very, very high standard. And I know, I know most people don't feel the same way that I feel about Loki. Most people think that WandaVision is the best show. And I love WandaVision. It's a very close second. Uh, for me, I would say Loki 1, WandaVision 2, Falcon and Winter Soldier 3, Hawkeye 4. Um, I haven't seen What If, so I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, going to include that. But yeah, this show looks incredible. It looks like it's going to have a lot of ramifications in the overall MCU. I even think we might even see Blade in this as well. You know, every Marvel show, fans always speculate, who could we see in this? For WandaVision, it was, are we going to see Doctor Strange? You know, for Falcon and Winter Soldier, it was, are we going to see, I don't know, uh... Chris Evans' return, right? That was never going to happen. Um, for Loki, I mean, some people thought, is Thor going to show up, right? Like, we're always speculating, but it never ends up happening, right? But I think there's serious potential to see some kind of Blade cameo. It could be something as little as what Mahershala Ali did for the Eternals. When we see Kit Harrington's character pick up the Ebony Blade... And you just hear the, the you just hear the vocals of Mahershala Ali saying, "Are you sure you're ready for that, Mr. Whitman?" But you don't actually see him on screen. He probably just went in some booth and recorded his lines and called it a day. We could see something like that, or we could see Mahershala, whether it's full blade costume, I doubt that, or Mahershala in some other costume. I do think that we could see him. I do, or we could see Black Knight. One of those two characters, I think, 
Like I'm not guaranteeing it. I think there's like there's like a sixty percent chance. I strongly feel we we will see one of those characters in the show, or at least referenced, because they have a lot to do with Moon Knight and the whole you know Midnight Suns kind of comic book storyline. Now I I, I know just because it was in the comics doesn't mean it's gonna happen in the film. And actually, I could be wrong. I, I'm I'm not a huge comic book fanatic like one of my other friends that's been on this podcast, Mitchell. He knows way more about the source material than I do. But judging off some of the things that I've read, storylines with like the Midnight Suns, which is sort of like a subgroup of Avengers, one of those members, if I'm not mistaken, is Blade. And I know Blade and Moon Knight, they have a lot of close ties in the comics. So like I said, not guaranteeing that. I just have a feeling we're going to see at least uh, uh, Blade or uh, Black Knight. We'll have to wait and see though. But this looks great. That shot... It was very short. Like, we didn't get another full trailer like we did with Doctor Strange, right? Because that first trailer that Doctor Strange showed, to me, didn't really do a lot. I mean, it was a teaser trailer. But this TV spot, it's only 30 seconds. But we see an incredible shot of Moon Knight jumping off the building in his cape, forming the shape of a moon. That was just absolutely insane. Like, I, that was so cool. But then the, the shot that really got me crazy, and I'm sure everybody else, was right at the end where almost looks like his version of like a batarang his little like moon knight blade that he throws he catches it and he looks at the he looks at the camera oh my god that that was that was crazy um so yeah the moon knight tv spot was great we got to see like i said we got to see more of the character moon knight because in that first trailer we really only see oscar isaac as his stephen grant persona and we see more stephen grant in that tv spot we actually get a better look of the moon knight character uh, in this little TV spot. And we're going to get more trailers as time goes on. Um, the show comes out. We'll probably get one more good trailer. Because the show does come out uh, in March next month. But uh, towards the end of March. So overall I love that TV spot. It got me super excited. You know I'm already super excited. But every time they release new material. A new marketing for Moon Knight. It just continues to just build that anticipation. I almost think this should have been a movie. But who knows. We'll have to wait and see. But I'm sure it will be great regardless. Now the next topic of discussion is the arguably most popular show on television right now, Euphoria. Um, I'm a little late to the party when, when it comes to this show. Uh, I started watching it about a month ago and I haven't talked about it on the podcast yet because I'm not really a fan of doing like an episodic, you know, episode by basis sort of review of a show, unless it's a show that I'm really invested in. Like Moon Knight, for example, is a show that I'll probably be talking about every single week on the podcast. But with Euphoria, I wanted to catch up. I wanted to watch all the episodes, get caught up to speed before I fully talk about it, right? So I've watched all episodes, just finished uh, um, season two, episode five. Uh, that was, that episode was insane. Uh, or episode... Either episode 5 or episode 6. Whatever the most recent one is. I, I can't keep track of the number. Um, uh, so I'm caught up to date. And I just got to say. This show really caught me by surprise. And I mean that in a good way. Because I I, I put I, I put this show off to the you know to the side for a long time. Right? I, I, I've heard you know I've heard people speak about it. I've heard nothing but good things. But for me as an you know, outsider looking in, the show that I see in my expectations was something of a high school drama, coming of age, 
cliche, things that we've seen many times before. I just thought it was another version of that. It just looked a little bit more artsy, if you will. But oh my god, I was completely wrong. I was completely wrong. This film goes into great detail into things like mental health, relationships, alcohol, and drug abuse in a way that no other show like this, no other teen high school show has done, right? Like we've seen parties and we've seen drinking, but this show really gets down into the nitty gritty. It it details how abuse can affect the people around you, can affect yourself, Right, and I'm referring to drug abuse, and with with Rue's character, and a lot of these characters in this show struggle with drug abuse. But I think it's safe to say that Zendaya's character Rue really has the hardest time with it. Right, so yeah, th- this show is nothing like I've seen. Like I said, in the high school coming of age series and movies that we've seen before. Right, I honestly kind of, you know, this this is a little extreme. But I, I kind of just got like high school musical American Teenager or the Secret Life of American Teenager kind of vibes. That's what I got. Now, I am completely wrong for thinking that because this show is on another level. And the director, Sam Levinson, he's fantastic, right? I should have known that this was going to be different because I watched his film that he actually also, that he not only directed, but I think he also co-produced the film with Zendaya. Uh, Malcolm and Marie, that show on Netflix that came out, I think in like January of last year. That movie was amazing. I love that film. Uh, it was one of the first films I saw to, to start 2021 and kind of divisive. I don't think most people really enjoyed it. I, for one, liked it. So after watching that and seeing the kind of filmmaker he is and how he approaches the, you know, the projects that he's involved in, I should have known that Euphoria was going to be something completely different compared to all these other shows that I just mentioned. Um, and yeah, it's it's fantastic. And it, you know, through my high school experience, I never saw or dealt with a lot of the things that are involved in the show. Like I've never, I've never had problems with drugs, entertainment. Things are definitely tuned up. But out of all the high school shows, and movies and things that I've seen, it's the least cliche and it probably is the most realistic. Now, transitioning to the characters. My favorite characters are Rue, Lexi, and Fesco. Those are my three favorites. And for those of you who aren't familiar, uh, familiar with the Fesco character, Fesco's story as an actor is very interesting. Apparently, he never did any acting before. And then the director, Sam Levinson, apparently saw him and say and said something like, hey, man, like you look perfect for this part that I have in this upcoming show. Would you want to come in and do an audition? Um, and then that's basically how he got it. Apparently, he saw him on like the side of the road somewhere. I mean, I don't know the full details of the story, but that's it's it goes something like that. And then he went in for the audition and he got the part. And uh, I think he's a really, really good actor. And I like Lexi. Lexi seems to be the most grounded character out of them all. She is the least involved. She, she doesn't involve herself in trouble. She seems to be very focused on her goals and on her aspirations. And I like that she's getting a lot more screen time in the season and her character is actually having a lot of influence on the story. I think we're even being teased that she's making a play about her entire high school experience with people playing her friends, people, you know, care, or actors in, in, in her play playing Maddie, 
people playing Cassidy, people playing Nate, people playing Maddie and, and you know, Rue and, and everyone. So that looks very, very interesting. Um, now, the character I find most interesting, right? Now keep in mind, most interesting. I'm not saying I like this character, okay? But the one I find most interesting is Nate, okay? Now, let me explain. Let me explain. I don't find the character of Nate relatable to me at all, right? Like I said, I don't grab guns and point it at girls' heads or anyone's head for that matter. I don't, you know, cheat and I don't do this and that and and drugs and I don't do any of that, right? So I don't find anything he does in the show relatable to me. But I think he's the most interesting character because when I was first introduced to not only the show but his character in that first episode... He just comes across as like this show's version of a jock that we've seen, you know, the high school jock that we've seen in like 120 other TV shows, right? We, we've seen a character like Nate at the surface level dealing with a lot of shit. He's fucked up in the head, right? And when I say that, I am in no way trying to justify his actions in the show. No way. He's a bad person. He's, he's not a good person. But there's layers to his character, and you start to look at him like, like his dad is a fucked up guy as well. His dad's a literally a predator. He's a pedophile. And as a kid, we see that Nate actually like gets access to his dad's recordings. Ooh. And he watches that. And as a kid, when you're watching something like that, that doesn't help your brain as you're trying to develop. It really isn't good for anybody to watch something like that. I mean, it's not, it's literally illegal, but I'm saying for a child to be exposed to something like that, that's bad. And we see that reflect on him and we see his mom even talk about it. Like what went wrong, Nate? What happened? You just change. And I think part of the reason why he changed is because he was exposed to such fucked up stuff, right? He's got so much to understand the meaning of him himself and his identity as a human being. So those are things that, those two things I just said, like, there's a lot of people that are struggling to sort of navigate through their sexuality. There are people that are struggling to find the meaning of their own lives. Those two things, those are relatable to a lot of people. A lot of people can relate to that. They can understand that. But he doesn't deal with it in a healthy way. He just reflects his trauma onto others, which is bad. That, that's not right. So that's the thing. Like when I say he's interesting, I say it because he, he's different than every other jock character we've seen. Like every other jock football asshole that we've seen in every kind of TV show and movie like this, that's all you know about them. They're the asshole. They're the guys that are going to be the bully. And that's all you know. They don't further explore or flesh out those characters. At least not that I've seen. But this show does that. And it doesn't make you sympathize for Nate. Not at all. At least not for me. Because I still think he's a fucking bad person. But you see at times, there's flashes. There's flashes of him potentially starting to restructure his life. But then he he plateaus. And he's back to doing his, his fucked up shit again. Right? Like there, 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 there's that one scene, I think in the last episode, where he confronts... Hunter, or, or sorry, not Hunter, Jules. I was thinking of the actor, Hunter, who plays Jules. 
Um, we see him confront Jules and he gives Jules the tape, right? And he says, hey, I'm sorry, right? But then again, as as an audience member and as a viewer, you also don't know if you could trust him saying that because we've seen him do that before. And that's actually part of his toxicity as a human being. We've seen him apologize. So now it's almost like it's hard for you to differentiate like is is this a form of manipulation that we've seen him do or is he actually being genuine right so he's a hard character to trust but unlike other versions of him that we've seen because like i said we've seen this kind of character at the surface level hundreds of times unlike all those characters we've never seen a character like him explored so much like sam levingson and the other writers and the creators of the show have done with his character being nate uh, and I also think the car- the actor, uh, Jacob something, I don't entirely remember his name. He's a great actor as well. So, yeah. Um, but beyond that, uh, the show also just got renewed for a third season. Which, I mean, that's really not a surprise. Um, but that's good to know, though. So, we know that the show wasn't going to end on, like, a kaput, like, this is it. That's it. Like, the show's done. They're probably going to end on like an open no and leave more room for storytelling so that's good we're gonna get a third season of euphoria i think everybody probably expected that but now it's official so that's good um and yeah overall i'm enjoying season two uh so far so far i honestly would say i think i'm enjoying it more than season one because we've been introduced to newer characters i I also like the uh the character that rue and jules have been hanging out with i i forget his name um He's pretty cool. I've heard a, I've heard a theory and a common rumor that he's going to die at the end of this show. You know, i.e. OD, suicide, something. And to be honest, I, I, I agree with that. I think we are starting to see that happen. Um, and, and, and we're seeing little flashes of that because when I think it was... Either, I'm screwing up the episodes. There's either six or five. We'll just go with there's five episodes. On episode four, when Rue was going through that intervention, you could see that... Things are almost coming down for him, right? He almost regrets getting involved with, with Rue because it's almost making him realize his problems because he is an addict as well, right? Maybe not as as, as bad as uh, Rue, but he, I, I think he still does heroin. I think he smokes weed and all that. So he has his problems too. And I think he almost regrets bringing Rue in his life and doing all these drugs with her because now it's it's deeply affected him and made him realize how much shit he's got to deal with as well so a lot of different things to you know to wait and see for and i'm excited to see where the rest of because i think we're almost done this this season season two i think we only got like a couple more episodes so i'm really excited for that and i'm looking forward to see where season two finishes and just goes for the rest of the last couple episodes so the last topic of discussion for today's podcast is the Elvis biopic starring, I believe his name is Austin Butler. I'm not too familiar with him and his work. I did uh, remember seeing him in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He played the Tex character. I really did like him in that. He uh, you know, it was kind of a brief role, but I think he was great in that. And I think he looks the part. Um, I think he, he, he definitely looks like Elvis. I, I see some of the resemblances, but I'm not, I wasn't entirely sure, right? Because like I said, I'm just not too familiar with with some of his work. Um, but I watched the trailer today that just released as I was doing this podcast and the trailer was great. Um, I think he is 
like perfect for this. I I, I really think he's gonna kill it as Elvis. Now we've seen tons of biopics in the last couple of years, um, and a lot of them resemble the same kind of story. But I'm excited to see this. I mean, we we've we've never really seen an Elvis biopic, at least not that I know of, and I'm a sucker for that kind of era and that culture of like you know the 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 60s and the 70s. If you give me a time traveling machine. I'm going to spend a week in the 70s and the 60s and I'm going to go hang out with, you know, James Dean and Marilyn Monroe and whatever, if I could. <laughs> um, so yeah, the trailer was great. My only concern is I think the trailer was a little too long. I think it showed a little too much for a first trailer. It was like three minutes long. And I'll be honest, I feel like we kind of saw most of the key parts of the film. Now... That might be a little bit pessimistic. Obviously, I could be completely wrong. I haven't seen the film, obviously. But to me, it, it really shows a lot of sequences. A lot of sequences in this trailer look like they take place during the climax. Sorry about that. A lot of these sequences, like I said, they look like they take place in the third act uh, when he's like struggling. Um, we, we also see some of his backstory from the beginning of the film when he was a child. So it, it looks like it shows a lot of different sequences that, that span across the whole film. Now, I could be wrong. I'm sure I am. Uh, but that was my only little nitpick. But overall, I think the film looks great. I didn't even know Tom Hanks was in this film as well. That was nice. Uh, it's, it's nice to see him back in this in, or back in a film. Um, not that he, I make it seem like he hasn't been in a film in, in, in a long time. He has, but... I'm excited to see him in this Elvis movie because I didn't expect him to be in this. I knew that Austin Butler was cast several years ago to play Elvis. Uh, and yeah, so overall, I am really, really excited. And I think it comes out in June. There are so many good movies that are going to be coming out this summer. Um, but anyways, guys, that is going to cap off episode 21. If you guys, if any of you stuck around for this long, I want to thank you, first of all, because podcasts are not something quick and short to watch. So if you somehow stuck around through here, I really do thank you a lot. It, it really, really means a lot. And, and, and overall with this podcast, um, you know, obviously I want to be successful in it. But if I can have, even if it's only like three or four people watch and really enjoy, that's enough for me right? I'm, I'm honestly going into this as a hobby. Okay. I, as a, as a, as a, as a someone who is a fan and passionate about cinema, because that, that's what I'm passionate about is film and cinema. That's why I want to be an actor. And that's why I want to get involved in the film industry as a career. So talking about it is just, it's just fun. It's a blast. So for the few people that do listen, seriously, I want to tell you, it means a lot. It really, really means a lot. Yeah, I, I'm seriously grateful if, if even just a few of you guys stick around through these podcasts and watch because I just do it for the passion. And if I can, if I can provide some kind of entertainment and people can find some kind of enjoyment in in the things that I'm talking about, because I mean, let's be honest here, podcasting is a saturated market. There's a million podcasts. There's a million people that do exactly what I do. There's a million people that talk about the same shit that I do, right? I'm just trying to approach it in my own individual unique way, like every other podcaster is trying to do. So anyways, all I'm trying to say is in a nutshell, thank you for watching and listening.
and I will see you on episode 22. 22. Have a great day. Bye.